this episode, the global adventurer and television host stranded in Turkey. His thoughts on traveling better post-pandemic while continuing to make personal connections. Welcome to the World Nomads podcast. We'll be keeping you up to date with travel alerts, information about coronavirus, and sharing some uplifting news and views to inspire you and keep you smiling. Hi, it's Kim and Phil with you, sharing the thoughts of travellers who are shaping the future of the industry post-COVID and discovering, Phil, what we can learn from the past as we plan a new way of travelling moving forward. And in this episode, it's TV presenter and producer Ryan Pyle. Yeah, look, the world is re-engaging, but slowly. There are still people trying to get on uh, repat flights back to their home country. But for those of us wanting a holiday, there's a lot to consider. We'll share a great article in show notes that answers many questions. But the bottom line is, do your research scour all those international health agency websites, including the WHO, World Health Organization. Check out local health ministries, immigration offices and their sites and embassies and consulates in your destination countries. General recommendations for personal hygiene, of course, including cough etiquette and social distancing are super important and we've got to keep doing those. We've seen quite a few places where, you know, there's been a, a recent spike in cases. So we've got to keep all those social distancing rules in mind. Yep. And those recommendations will affect how and what travel content creators will capture moving forward as, I guess, Ryan Pyle, the host of Expedition Asia on the Discovery Channel, explains. Yeah, well, like many, Ryan was stuck abroad when the pandemic hit. He'd been filming in Ethiopia and he ended up caught in Turkey. And Ryan has a great story to tell of not only being in lockdown, but how he turned his passion into a profession. So let's kick off by asking him how he transitioned from an aspiring elite basketballer to a global producer and TV presenter. Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, when you grow up playing elite sports or when you grow up playing uh, sports at a high level, you don't you're not a very well-rounded person. I mean, you you don't end up having a lot of other hobbies. You don't end up having a lot of other interests. You're just training and competing all the time. And that's your whole life. And I, I live that. Um, and then all of a sudden, once that was taken away from me uh, by not being able to continue my career and play professionally, I just kind of threw myself into wanting to learn more about the world. And somehow that motivated me to, you know, pick up a notepad and pen and pick up a camera and start just trying to tell stories about people I meet and places I, I, I traveled to. And that was kind of my first trip to China, which was in 2001. And that's kind of how it all got started. Um, that was almost by default too, wasn't it? Because you picked up a class on Thursdays. Uh, it was the only class that you could do on Chinese studies. So yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like you grew up wanting to do this. No, I mean, I, you know, Toronto is a wonderful multicultural city where I grew up in and there's people from all over the world there. But, um, you know, I, I didn't have an interest in China from a very young age. It was literally because I needed to take my, uh, I needed to get my Fridays off so I could travel with the basketball team to play. And then in order to do that, like the only class I qualified for was that introduction to modern China, which is really the only reason I took it. And it just sparked an interest, to say the least. Have you found your life a bit like, my life's been a bit like that. You kind of fall into things, but they, you know, but then you make it work for you. Has your life been like that? Yeah, I think it has been. I think, uh, I think you can't plan too much or you can't try to structure too much or you can't try to control too much. You just kind of have to let it go. And I think that's the definition of adventure. I mean, and I think life is an adventure. You just can't, you just can't control it all the time. And the more you kind of open yourself up to random opportunities and random connections and random work, 
um, you know, that, that's kind of what gives life its color. When you first went, in 2001, when you first went to China, how did you then get into this industry, though? Well, when I went to China the first time, um, I just went like backpacking around China for three months by myself. I didn't know anyone or speak any Chinese, but I really enjoyed it. And um, and then through that experience, I decided that I was going to figure out some way to travel for a living and and kind of dedicate my life to that. And then and then I went home for about a month or so, and then I actually moved to Shanghai, China. And when I was in Shanghai, China, I was teaching English for about three months just to kind of get some grounding under me. And then I started working for local English magazines in China. So there was two. One was that Shanghai and another one was um, City Weekend. And they would run travel features. So I would like go out into the remote Chinese countryside up in the mountains, you know, live with people and then write and do photography. And then from those like local magazines in China, then I got into the regional newspapers and magazines in Singapore and Hong Kong, English language uh, magazines. And then I got into airline magazines. And then once I kind of had a nice portfolio uh, of all that work, then I took it to New York and I went to the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and, and the um, Time, Newsweek, Forbes, Fortune, all the big uh, magazines. And then from there, I, you know, I just people gave me a chance and, um, and it worked out. You don't just decide that you're going to travel around, around and, and write stuff. You actually have to have a way of writing. And I like your uh, approach on that as well as um there's something else i read about you it said when you you started traveling on your own and you had to make personal connections with people that's where it really sort of blossomed for you yeah i think you know you definitely i think you find your own style i mean you find your own way of telling stories you find things that interest you and then you hope that other people are interested by them and i guess i just had a knack for you know finding things that other people were interested in um and and my own kind of taste on what interested me ended up kind of interesting, the interest uh, being interested, interesting for the general public or, or the audience of that newspaper or magazine at the, at the beginning. And, um, and yeah, there's a humility and, a, you know, there's a humility and an objectivity and maybe an awkwardness to the way I travel because a lot of it's pretty uncomfortable and I'm pretty open about that. And, and, uh, I don't try to travel around the world like some kind of hero that was born to travel like you know we make a lot of mistakes and we get caught up in a lot of crazy weather and you know stuff happens all the time that you don't plan for but like it's just like life like you just got to take it in stride and then enjoy the uh enjoy the curveballs look a lot of people who listen to us you know have a dream of being able to do what you've done which is you know make travel their life and their income as well but it doesn't come easy i know you struggle for with your first bicycle tour around china uh, getting that made and getting it seen and I, just from that perspective of the digital nomads who want to follow in your footsteps can you just explain to us how difficult that was to make it come to fruition? Sure. I mean, you know, you and I are talking today and this has been a 20 year journey. Um, <laughs> and, and it's, you know, I had to move from Canada to China where I had no friends or family in order to kind of develop, you know, a way of telling stories or a way of seeing the world. And then, and then from that, you know, spawn, build that into a, a career kind of in journalism, which is travel journalism and also, uh, mainstream journalism. And then from there, I wanted to, you know, make television shows. And that was incredibly hard because my, even though in my mind, I knew I could make that transition, like no one gives you a chance. Like no one is just going to be like, yes, I, I totally agree with your vision. Here's some money. Go 
do something amazing. Like no one does that. So, um, you know, we had to make it ourselves. Uh, my brother and I, who, who joined me on that journey around China. And uh, yeah, it took, it took a long time to, to put that together. There was a lot of sleepless nights. Um, you know, I think, but I think, you know, if you want to make film or television, you could go to film or television school, or you could just start making film and television. And whether you have a $500 budget or a $50,000 budget, you learn really fast when it's your own money uh, and you're producing on your, on your own. So uh, that's kind of the, uh, that's kind of the path that we chose for that journey. And it's been great because what it's done is it's set me up as a television host who also directs and produces his own content. So I kind of, I kind of manage every aspect of my TV show, not because I am a control freak, but it's because it's the only way I knew how to do it because I had to do all my stuff by myself at the beginning. So it's actually been a bit of a blessing and I'm able to totally kind of manage my entire career, my entire schedule and, and all the content that I get to create. So it's, um, it's, it's a lot of work. Don't get me wrong, but it, it is kind of a, it was a blessing in disguise having such a difficult, uh, few years at the beginning i was a bit cheeky at the beginning because you weren't actually that crap as a basketball player you just didn't quite make it to the ultimate elite level but obviously a lot of you know training and dedication went into getting to where you did did do you take that sort of discipline philosophy that sort of discipline thank you very much kim do you take that discipline into the way you approach making films absolutely um you know waking up on time being where you're supposed to be uh, working in small groups, motivating people, being a leader, um, getting things done, putting yourself in the front lines. Like, I mean, all of this stuff has, is, is sports terminology as well. And I think that, you know, I have a wonderful crew and group of people that I've been working with for many years. Uh, and, and it's important to, to treat them like teammates. And, and, you know, we go out into the wilds of the world and we have to stick together. We have to look out for each other. We have to come together as a team to accomplish our, our goals. And, um, and every single thing I learned when I played basketball from the age of seven to the age of 22, uh, has made me a better business person and a, and a better, um, production manager and, and, and TV personality, I think. And, and also too, I mean, my dad was in the Olympics, uh, for Canada in water polo in Munich in 1972. So, I mean, even from a young age, my dad was always just instilling in me, you know, just keep failing. Like, don't worry about it. Um, you know, you, you, you miss, you know, you always miss seven out of the, what is it for baseball? It's like, uh, baseball, it's, if you have, if you hit three out of every 10 balls, you can be in the hall of fame. So, you know, you're getting rewarded for missing seven out of 10 every time. And, and he's just like, just keep swinging. Like, don't worry about, don't worry about people saying no, don't worry about, um, don't worry about failing. You know, it'll, it'll come through when it comes through. You just have to keep moving. We've uncovered you as a guest because you are not on the move at the moment and just listening to you and what, and knowing what you do, this, um, lockdown, this pandemic must be driving you crazy. Tell us where you are, how you're there, and what you're doing with your time. So um, so I was filming Extreme Trek Season 4 in Ethiopia in early March when the world kind of closed their borders. And I live in Dubai, and I, I chose Dubai as a place to live um, because it's such a great hub and an easy place to get around uh, the world from because of its uh, fantastic airline and stuff like that. So I was in, I was, uh, in Ethiopia, and we were, we were two days offline. And these were the worst two days to be offline, basically in the whole 
the history of our universe, um, <laughs> our travel, our travel universe. But I was two days offline. And then we got up to the top of this 4,000 meter ridge in the Simeon Mountains near the border of South Sudan in northern Ethiopia. And our guide was like, sit down, have some water. We, get, we can get a signal here. We'll check our phones. And then, of course, the moment you catch a signal, everything starts coming through. You know, like Italy's closed its borders. The United States has banned flights to, from Europe. And then Europe closed. And then the United Arab Emirates closed. So I was sitting there on a rock, at, you know, 4,000 meters. And my face just went white. I was like, wow. Like I knew the virus was kind of a, a a big deal. And I actually felt like maybe going to Northern Ethiopia and trekking for two weeks and living in a tent would be like the greatest, you know, um, you know, social distancing, social distancing that I could come up with. But uh, I didn't expect the borders to close and the, and the world to close and the airlines to stop. I always thought like I could always go back to Dubai, um, my home. So there I was kind of on the side of a mountain, um, not being able to go home. So we made a few phone calls from that spot. We trekked a couple hours to the nearest road. We drove straight back to Addis Ababa, uh, not knowing kind of where we were going to fly. And my crew were able to go back to, to North America um, because they're passport holders from there. And then I didn't want to go back to Canada and stay with my 70 plus year old parents um, just in case I had been infected or something like that. So I just came to Istanbul because Turkey was still open and I didn't have any friends or know anyone in Istanbul. And and that's kind of where I've been. And I arrived uh, at 7 a.m. on March 21st. Where I am at the moment, obviously, I feel a little bit like a caged bird. I mean, I travel like 300 days a year. Um, I live a very fast and exciting life. And uh, I don't ever feel like I live a life that's too fast. I love what I do. And I love being able to share it with so many people. And I love all the speaking engagements. And I love telling stories and filming. Like, my life was pretty perfect in my own sense. And I had created that life form myself that was not imposed on me by other people. Like I crafted that and I was very happy. And, uh, and coming into Istanbul was really hard because uh, of the uncertainty of it all. Like, could I go back to Dubai? Should I go back to Canada? Um, when, when, might be, when might we be able to film again? Uh, it was all just kind of uncertain and unknown. So I, I can t kind of tell you, I've had kind of three phases of being here in lockdown. The first phase was kind of just depression. I had that lasted about four weeks. And that was just kind of like, I don't know if I'm going to be going back to Dubai. I don't know when I'll ever work again. Like, and I, and you know, I was watching the news and stuff like that, which was terrible. Um, so that was the first kind of tough, tough few weeks. And then, and then I rescued a beautiful little kitten and he's keeping me company. So that's really helpful. Anyone who's suffering in lockdown animals have a lot of love to give and they're, they're wonderful. Um, and then I, I would say the second stage, I started doing my COVID calls and started kind of getting a little bit more creative with my time. And I started these COVID calls on my Instagram live and on my YouTube channel as a way of me communicating with other creatives and, and just reaching out to people. Maybe I hadn't reached out to in a long time. I mean, um, celebrity photographer friends I have, uh, my, my university roommate, you know, I did a call with him, um, just everyone I could kind of reach out to. And I basically did one a day and I've done more than 80 now. And it's a nice kind of collection of, of, um, my experience during this kind of terrible time. And then where I am now, I would say I'm in stage three where I'm planning to move again. And it looks like I'll be traveling from Istanbul into Europe at some stage in the next few weeks and maybe being able to continue filming. Are you anticipating your content, what you'll capture will be different to what you were doing before um, March? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, what are we going to show on camera? What aren't we going to show? How much are we going to play up this fact that, you know, this is our first episode after 
the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, it's, I don't, I don't know how we're going to play that, uh, at this moment, you know, whether we're going to be wearing masks ourselves at every moment of every day, or whether we're going to be doing interviews with, with other people who are wearing masks. Like I haven't, I haven't fully wrapped my, my head around that because it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy just kind of how difficult film and production have been hit, um, by this pandemic and how you have to work, you know, with people in close spaces to tell stories. And, um, and I'm a little bit worried about how that'll play out, but I'm, I'm actively working on some solutions for that. It's definitely going to present a lot of issues. That's for sure. Although masks make it a bit easier to edit the audio, you can't see the lips moving. You don't have to worry about syncing stuff up, you know? <laughs> there you go. There you get to see there's always a silver lining. <laughs> there's always a silver lining. <laughs> the other silver lining that you found is your um, your Whiskey Wednesday. It's that little kitten you talk about. Its name is Whiskey, and on Wednesdays <laughs> you drink whiskey with whiskey. Um, will you miss that? Uh, well, I've been doing Whiskey Wednesdays for a long time, a few years now, right. off and on, very uh, sporadically. But then I, I did find a, a little homeless kitten in Istanbul, uh, no mother, no brothers or sisters. He was only about eight days old. And this was pretty early on in my stay. Um, uh, you know, it was about five degrees Celsius at night. I heard this little kitten crying from the sixth floor balcony of my hotel room. And, um, and he was just crying for about six, seven hours straight. And then I woke up in the morning and he was still crying. So I went down and just grabbed him and cleaned him up. And, um, and uh, yeah, he's been great. And I just named him Whiskey because I like whiskey and he looked cute. So I felt like that was a good thing. And then I, and then I yeah, sometimes I drink whiskey with whiskey. And uh, he is becoming much more popular than me on all of my social media. So now when I do a Whiskey Wednesday without whiskey, or I do anything on my Instagram without whiskey, People are always like, where's the cat? How's the cat? What's going on with the cat? How come you're not, you know, and it's, uh, it's pretty hilarious, but he's, he's sweet. He's always, but sometimes he's sleeping, you know, he's, I don't want to wake him up just to use him to get more likes on Instagram. You know, I'm going to let the guy sleep when he wants to sleep. <laughs> you also did one of these whiskey Wednesdays in your adventure gear with whiskey on your shoulder. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I just, I was, I guess I was having a bit of a rough day and, uh, and I just got to decide, I mean, I love what I do for uh, my career and I miss putting on the big down jackets and the gloves and the hat and, uh, you know, I love being outside and, and, you know, under lockdown, we're all stuck in our small apartments or our homes or whatever. And, um, and I just kind of miss being outside. So I actually put on all of my adventure gear and then put the kitten on my shoulder. Cause he actually loves sitting on my shoulder. Right? He thinks he's a bird or a parrot. And, uh, yeah, and I did my Whiskey Wednesday um, with all my gear on just to kind of mix it up a little. So I think there was definitely a, there was, that might have been definitely during a slightly delusional uh, stage of my <laughs> lockdown work where I was, where I was struggling with my, with whatever version of myself I was becoming uh, through this pandemic. Yeah, one of the things that we're, um, we're sort of pushing uh, through World Nomads as well, it's like taking this moment to have a look at the way we used to travel and think about how we might be able to do it better. Yeah, I mean, you know, my extreme trekking shows are are the best in the world. I mean, go out, go out and spend time in nature. You know, uh, digital detox, uh, social distancing, sleep in a tent. I mean, I've been pushing this for years, and and now it actually almost makes sense. Like, you know, don't go to crowded cities and and throw yourself into bars and nightclubs. You know, go out and really give yourself a, an honest experience out in nature and and reconnect with something that used to be such an important part of our civilization. And, you know, we've got beautiful places on this planet. So, you know, go pick one and hunker down and spend a week just watching the sunrise and sunset and then walking and, and being out and exercising and 
getting clean air. And, uh, it's beautiful. Yeah, it really is the simple things. Thanks for that, Ryan. And say hi to Whiskey for us. Plenty more on Ryan and how to follow him in show notes. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email at podcast at worldnomads.com. Now, thanks for listening from wherever you get your favourite pods. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and share. And next week, Phil, we're looking at Plastic Free July and what you can do to reduce your plastic footprint when you travel. Bye. Bye. The World Nomads Podcast. Explore your boundaries.